What makes us take up causes others think are impossible? What draws others to the cause, bonds us together, and gives us an inexhaustible energy and unwavering belief that we'll succeed? I'll draw on my own experiences and talk to fellow champions about the successes, setbacks, and team dynamics that move causes forward. I'm Marvin Stockwell, and welcome to Champions of the Lost Causes. On today's show, Aaron Schaefer, who led the grassroots effort to open Memphis's first public skate park in 2011. We'll talk about how his passion for the idea drew others to the cause and how they collaborated with the city of Memphis and the community to open the park. We'll also talk about a wave park idea Aaron has and other civic projects on the horizon in Memphis. All that and more on Champions of the Lost Causes. Aaron, thanks so much for being on Champions of the Lost Causes. Thanks for having me, Marvin. Appreciate you being on the show. Um, for those who who maybe don't live in Memphis or or, or, or unfamiliar with your work on around skate parks, uh, I was wondering if you know, kind of to set the scene, you could kind of say could 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 roll back the clock and and think about when Memphis didn't really have uh, any skate park options and what the opportunity was that you saw. Uh, and just how you kind of pieced together a coalition of people who put together a plan to um, to build Memphis's first uh, skate park. Sure. So yeah, the year was 2006 mm-hmm. when we first arrived in Memphis, and I had just gotten back into skateboarding when I was 35 back in 2005 in Northern California in the Bay Area. They just built a skate park there, so it just really got started getting my skateboarding engines going again Mm -hmm. after a long hiatus i i did it growing up in the Mm -hmm. 80s but it really was nothing more than a pastime Mm -hmm. and something you did when when you couldn't surf or there were no waves to surf so right the fires were stoked and then yeah we next thing you know we're moving to memphis and uh, i was fully expecting to see a skate park here being you know given the size of the the area that you know memphis is a major city in the south in the mid-south so I was pretty surprised to not see anything there mm-hmm. and um, disappointed as a major understatement. I was, it was pretty frustrating. So, yeah, you know, there was a, a private indoor skate park that was opened here, but that was out in Cordova mm-hmm. skate park of Memphis spawn as it was known. Yeah, I remember. So, yeah. yeah. So you, you could go there, but that wasn't anywhere close to our midtown home that we're currently in now. So yeah, 2006 uh, decided to you know, open up a web, start a web page, and you know, basically create an, a, a portal for advocacy for skate parks. Mm-hmm. And you know, just knowing how big skateboarding was becoming back in California, it was only a matter of time before that wave of popularity started moving east again, like mm-hmm. we had in the early '80s. So, you know, I had a lot of confidence, honestly, about the possibility. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like I was, you know coming up with some invention coming out of my garage and saying, look, this is the newest gadget. You all got to have it. It's like, yeah, no, this is a very well-established product skate. It was a track record. It's a track record for it. You know, there's skate parks popping up all over California. Folks love it. Folks love it. You know, 
I was down in the inner city of San Diego. You've got kids from everywhere skateboarding. So it's mm-hmm. like the vision was a reality. So yeah, like you said, track record. So um, I think that helped a lot when talking with people and especially when meeting with our parks department. Sandy Buchanan was the director back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went in there with a, you know, pretty certain that like, hey, this is really something we need to, to do. And, so. and what did you encounter in terms of like, uh, what resources did the city have available and what other resources needed to be brought to the table? Their resources were pretty limited as they still are in the parks mm. department. It's been a historically very under-resourced area for the city. So wow. they didn't really have any funding for a skate park. Uh, but it was as, as such, you no, know, we did hold a demonstration that brought in well over 200, 300 skateboarders uh, for a city, basically it was a city sponsored demonstration where they, they brought in a company to, you know, open up some temporary ramp ramps in the, mm-hmm. it was the hog barn back then uh-huh. at the fairgrounds. And we packed that up. And so I, you know, our park. Oh, at dr- the fairgrounds. At the fairgrounds. Oh, okay. So not at the skate park. Not at the skate park. No. Okay. No, it, they opened up the hog barn and put up some temporary ramps. Uh, and she, she had, she had an incredible experience. It was, wow. she was wild eyed and just uh, overwhelmed mm-hmm. at the fact that, that there were that actual many skaters in Memphis, mm-hmm. despite mm-hmm. not having really a skate park other than the, the skate park of Memphis. So I think that gave her the confidence. It's kind of like I transferred it over to her and she's like, yeah, this is real. I can go to the city council and ask for resources that normally she would not have access to. So mm-hmm. that's why we got a hold of that CIP money. Oh, okay. From the city. CIP stands for? Capital Improvements Projects. <sighs> gotcha. Bonds, basically. Sure. So, so, so the, the uh, and you know, I, I bike past the skate park uh, that, that you are responsible for, you and, you and others are responsible for uh, all the time, because I live over in Humes Heights. I right. live near Toby Park. Yeah, it's your neighborhood. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's my neighborhood. So, like, I, that's, man, when I see the skate park and when I see the, the, the kids skating, I know it's, I'm almost home. Um, but um, di- were there other, like, philanthropic actors or, 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 or gra- I guess you all were the grassroots actors, but how much agitation did it really, did it really take? And how long were you really on the scene before you were able to get in front of the city council? You know, I actually never had to go before city council, thankfully. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. nice. I didn't have to do that. But the agitation part was just the waiting game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though you request money and they, even though the city council approved it, someone still has to take ownership of a project, right? And mm-hmm. so there was no ownership of the project, both in terms of not having a location and not having someone in the BDC department building design and construction who, who mm-hmm. actually liked the project. So we met resistance with one of the head engineers that was there who didn't like it. So mm. I don't know literally or figuratively, I think our project got put at the, the pile of, of priorities. Uh-huh. So, and then we didn't have a location for three years. So, you know, oh, wow. that almost half a million dollars went through three budget cycles before we actually had a location for it. And then, and then a new mayor came along and we were able to get him to nudge the BDC to actually start sure. working on the project. So yeah, that, I think that's where the most resistance was, was just bureaucratic resistance. It's just mm-hmm. the natural grind that comes with 
no one taking ownership, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's how any project goes, right? Someone has to be a champion. So indeed, that was the big deal. So, so, so describe the group that kind of stood in the breach, if you will. I mean, you, you as the vocal leader, but what, who, what type of people were, 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 were circulating around you? What type of community did you, did you pull together to demand this? You know, again, going back to that fairgrounds demonstration, that was just, uh, uh, what was it? That was a kind of a MySpace phenomena. <laughs> old school. Old school. <clears throat> you know, we, there used to be the old bulletin board, and we just banged that bulletin board to death, mm-hmm. hoping that everyone would do the same. And that, that is what really garnered or created that huge demonstration turnout mm-hmm. that we had. That and along with just a few key guys that I worked with, Chris Gurley, Mike Lassiter. Yeah. You know, um, we were doing little clinics here and there just to help kids learn to skate Mm -hmm. in community centers. So they helped out in that that area. And yeah, just having a few key people that would get the word out on social media, which was mostly MySpace back then. That was social media played a really big part um, back when it was a novelty. It was the wild, wild west back then. It really was. And people were really on social media then to, to create movements. It's as versus now it's just kind of everyone, including myself, pretty desensitized to trying to mobilize groups or to gain the, the favor of influencers to back your thing. Exactly. Give us, give it a share. Yep. Um, yeah. So, So for three years and multiple budget cycles, uh, you kind of like persevered. Um, but talk, t- talk a little bit about like what, so what, what were some of the other locations before Toby Park was, was selected? What were some of the other locations that you were pushing for? Uh, there was a park by, um, what was it? Greenlaw community center. Mm-hmm. There's the, there's a community center just North of there where there was some space. Uh, we also, space right next to the community center there i'm um forgetting the name of that community center they have a swimming pool there mm-hmm. uh, we first entertained mud island we right met, i remember that we met with yeah uh we met with the riverfront development corporation yeah skate mud island skate mud island yeah i got the skate mud t-shirts still that chris yeah. early made i uh, still have mine so yeah we even looked at mud island uh as i was way back in 2008 actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh we also looked at Rodney Baber Fields in North Memphis. Okay. Which I'm glad it didn't go there because it's now turned into a swampland. Oh. I'm not sure if you've seen it over there. They've got you can't no. even you can't even get into the park. It's blocked off by a giant log. Oh but, wow. Yeah, the, no, the Wolf River unaware. floods into that area every every couple of years. So I see. Yeah, like it's kinda looks like a, a baseball ghost town. Oh no. You get a chance to see it right off of James Road. But uh, there uh and then also Glenwood Park, is it Glen? I think Glenwood Park or Glen Park, Glenview, mm-hmm. Glenview Park, Glenview, Glenview Community yeah. Center, yeah. which is where actually it was going. Uh, Cindy Buchanan, the parks director at the time, was I think planning on it being there, mm-hmm. but unbeknownst to the council person, <laughs> they're like, "We're having a skate park put here," mm-hmm. and the council lady at the time, Wanda Halbert, was like, "We are." No one told me about that. Right. So that was probably my, that was probably one of the sketchier moments in our advocacy is just basically telling, I was being told 
I think by the dark directors, like, I don't think we're going to be able to do it there. And then I was like, mm-hmm. why not? Like, I think I got the impression that Wanda Halbert shut it down and then it really wasn't her. She was just looking out for her area. <laughs> it was a big blunder at yeah. many levels. And so I got big wild eyes in front of the TV camera one night, just trying to figure out as I'm talking to them, what's going on. It was a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Wanda <laughs> was the district for council person, correct? Yes, and she was over Glenview Community yeah. Center. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right nice. at the outset of of our Coliseum work, uh, we 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 worked with with Wanda a bit, uh, and she was the one who was keen on on us directing our efforts to 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 then housing and community development uh, director Robert Lipscomb, uh, and she kind of helped broker an introduction so that we oh, could good. start working with him. But um, now Wanda was over District Four, uh, and 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 Toby Park is part of District Four. No, that's it's part of District. That 5. was part of the Midtown. Is it District Five that Jim Strickland was over at the time? Ah, uh, oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, I, I know that there had been some discussion about what areas of town would be really be right for a skate park. Um, right. how much of that community sentiment did you really? take seriously or did you think that that was like true or false or i wasn't really concerned about where it was going to go and maybe that was maybe because i was just naive i don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. it just was like let's just get the thing built and i i know skaters and that that wouldn't stop them from coming but right i don't think it i think looking back that this the area should have been you know the area is important where it goes especially when you're trying to bring families in yeah and you want to save space where they feel like you know this is no they're safe you know yeah and i feel like toby ended up being that place it's it's far enough away from people's sure houses so that the kids who live you know if they were neighborhoods too close to it you could have kids wandering into the park Mm -hmm. and getting Mm -hmm. hurt and yeah i think it was that was a. I think that was really important in the end where where we put, where we put it. But initially, I was like, let's just get this thing done, right? So, yeah, no. Toby Park is um is is a great and underutilized um, uh, community asset that 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 I think, and we can get into this a little bit later. I, yeah. I would love to know your kind of like thoughts about you know where Toby might go, and especially with some of the other things that that you're you're thinking about and talking sure. to the people in the city uh, about, but um. How did it, how did you, um, what did it look like to get then District 5 Councilman Strickland, Jim Strickland, uh, on board with the idea? And how did that translate into him becoming a new mayor and still caring about your project? Yeah, so I, I was able to get a hold of him. I emailed him and said, can we meet and talk about the skate park? And he was mm-hmm. really quite familiar with the project by then, just because mm-hmm. it had been in the media a lot during that time. Mm-hmm. So we met at Cafe Eclectic. I, I opened up my binder. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. being a scientist, I I document everything. So I had everything right. neatly documented and and printed out, and said, "This is all that we've done, and nothing's still going forward." So, what can you do to help out? Right. So yeah, he was instrumental in in getting that location secured. Which was, ironically, that was one of the first locations that it was going to, it was planned to go, but mm. it got pushed off or shelved because 
the, the potential development with the fairgrounds that they were thinking about doing way back in 2006. Mm-hmm. They were thinking about putting a parking lot there. So right. that was enough. There was enough speculative development to push it off. But right. by the time Strickland, by the time I talked to Strickland, that had no longer, that speculative development was taken off the table for consideration. So he was able to request that area again. Interesting. And so, you know, as his, as, since subsequently as him being the mayor, I don't, he's not, he's not really had to do anything really since then. Yeah. Frankly. You know, Toby Park, uh, just to, to kind of set the context, is kind of like across uh, Central Avenue from uh, Memphis's uh, fairgrounds. Uh, depending on exactly how you classify the fairgrounds, a lot of people consider it part of the fairgrounds. Right. Um, certainly, as the fairgrounds have been uh, redeveloped now as Liberty Park, uh, I, I look at uh, at Toby Park, and it, it's almost awesome that it's it is it is awesome that, that that the skate park is there because there's already like a beachhead of awesome right. that's at Toby Park. You know, right. like there's already the ball fields uh, that, that that have been there. There's the sand volleyball uh, uh, courts, the 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 baseball softball diamonds, the rugby pitch. Uh, yeah. and now the, the, um, the skate park. And I, I feel like as part of the fairground slash Liberty park redevelopment, there's really an opportunity to take Toby back to the lab, not, not as a redo, um, but almost like how might we enhance it to really make it super Toby. Right. I, w- I would love to get you, get your thoughts on, on, on exactly where that might go and, and what other amenities might, might fit in better. Either at the fairgrounds or or at uh, uh, or at at, uh, at Toby. <clears throat> well, you probably know what I'm going to say, <laughs> possibly Marvin. But uh, you know, yeah, we had a surf park on the table mm-hmm. uh, during the 2015 discussions and public studies that they were being conducted at the time with Mayor Wharton. So right. <clears throat> that surf park concept got into the Urban Land Institute report. So. I imagine having a surf park right next to the what's going to be the sports complex, but unfortunately, there's not enough room mm-hmm. to do that. So I I could see it going over, you know, right next to the skate park, maybe. Yeah, you know, that would be a, you'd be building on the momentum of the skate park. You know, skating and surfing uh-huh. are interlinked. One was born of the other, pretty yeah. much. So yeah, <clears throat> why not put a nice surf park there, right there for you know, for people to enjoy. And and I think just having some sort of destination attraction Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. families coming in for the sports competitions could go and local Memphians could also heavily benefit from too. So, right. I think that is an element that's missing from the current fairgrounds project right now. And so, um, it needs to be added. Right. So, so that the whole development's a win, win for not only, uh, families with kids doing sports competitions, but also mm-hmm. Memphians. Yeah, I'd um, have to agree with you on that. So just to back up a second and set the context a little bit deeper, back in 2015, the city of Memphis brought in the Urban Land Institute and the National Charette Institute. Right. The National Charette Institute did several meetings. They 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 rolled up some data. They handed it off to the Urban Land Institute, who did their own uh, um, uh, interviews. Uh, and they 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 presented some summary findings at the Peabody one day, uh, and uh, that was an exciting day. I it, was there. 
it was an exciting day. I was there as, yep. as well. <clears throat> the, uh, the the two findings that came out of that day were one, we don't think it'll support four hundred thousand square feet of retail, maybe fifteen to twenty thousand square feet of quote smart retail, and the assertion that the Coliseum should be demolished, the Mitzel Coliseum should be demolished. They said, absolutely not. You know, we think it should be preserved as an historical anchor. It's a sister building built at the same time at the Liberty Bowl. And I feel like now here we are in the year 2021 and uh, a lot is still on the table. Some things, some decisions have been made. Uh, They've broken ground on Liberty Park. But I think, you know, there is a big question mark over the Coliseum. And there's also a question mark uh, on Toby Park as to exactly what Toby Park can become. And I think it's going to come down to uh, the main, you know, can the city deliver uh, on on its promise to keep it locally focused on what residents want and at the same time check those tourism boxes that the the tourism development zone, um, um, which is a sales tax recapture kind of mechanism. Um, necessitates, uh, and and I think, you know, they have said, "Trust us, we are going to make the youth sports building um, uh, available to locals." Um, the locals that I've talked to have said, "We'll believe it when we see it," uh, and they also right. point to the Coliseum as an opportunity, and they say. Couldn't that be the thing that balances everything out? Uh, and to, from our perspective at the Coliseum Coalition is like, is there not an opportunity since there's there's currently zero sales tax dollars being generated by the Coliseum? If all of a sudden it started to generate sales tax dollars, all of that would potentially help fuel the tourism development zone, as would a, a, a surf park. Yeah. Um, and having the two amenities the skate park and the surf park kind of like collab cooperate with each other. Absolutely. That would be great synergy. Would it not? Yeah, I would think there's synergy there and I'd hope there'd be some synergy with the Coliseum as well. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you're going to the surf park for the day and then you want to go to a concert at night or I don't know, go visit the Coliseum for whatever's in there, whether it's a light show, is there some sort of museum exhibit going on? Whatever may be rotating mm-hmm. through the Coliseum at the point at, at that point of time, right? But I mean, and then we've talked about how the Coliseum would have been a great complement to the sports complex for being like this championship venue where that's right, you know, the the final the final game or whatever volleyball yeah. basketball gets to be played in a an arena instead of just you know big warehouse. Sure, so, let let the preliminary games be played at the youth sports building, but then right. let the championship games be played at a Larry Finch home court at the Mid-South Coliseum with, you know, museum assets yeah. that are like, you know, paying tribute to the 73 Tigers yeah. that went to the NCAA Tiger the tournament game. Um yeah, I mean, I I just see possibilities. Why not make the yeah, Coliseum place where you can showcase a lot of the Memphis history? while making it relevant for current you know current events so much music wrestling and basketball provenance there civil rights provenance there first integrated building uh, conceived and built with integration racial integration in mind uh was the site of the 1991 people's convention that surfaced uh, willie harrington uh that who went on to become the the city's first uh black mayor 
Um, so they're, they're lo- and especially in a city like Memphis, that that's uh, that's where you know Dr. King was martyred. Yeah, uh, is really important. Um, so, so people are thinking Wave Park, Wave Park. What is that? I mean, I think people can conceptualize a skate park, but like, make the case for a Wave Park and why Memphis is the right place. So, Memphis is in a geographically challenged area. Let's just say it. I mean, we're kind of a, you know, we've been called a backwater town, although I'd, I'd say we're much, much more than that. But the reality is there's a lot of water around us, but it's not water you can swim in. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go swim in Kilowatt <laughs> Lake. You're not going to go jump in the Mississippi. Well, you may, but you'll just do it once. <laughs> if you go to Kilowatt Lake, you might melt. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we don't, just, we just don't have any water venues at all. I mean, what we had or what was here before, Adventure River, uh, Maywood Beach, even Bud Boogie Beach, which is in Mud Island, I hear. I wasn't here when it was open, but they turned the Gulf of Mexico into a swimming pool for a couple of years. All those things have been shut down, and what still remains are hot summers. So mm-hmm. there's a need for place for people to go without having to go two hours to Eber Springs or going down to Gulf Shores or Atlanta or Nashville or, or Little Rock, all those other areas where you can yeah. find either water parks or you know nice lakes or Mm -hmm. or going to the ocean or the gulf so uh why surfing why not just a a water park um having grown up in southern california in the 80s i've just seen surfing the popularity of surfing just continues to increase and it's gotten to the point where i mean it was even crowded in the 80s and now it's just Mm -hmm. overcrowded it's literally Mm -hmm. become crowded globally Right. So you've got surfers going all over the world and just locally clamoring for waves. Basically, there's just not enough waves to go around. Mm-hmm. And I even have longtime high school friends that travel to Waco, Texas from Southern California to get waves. Mm. So that's, I mean, when he told me that, I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, yeah, I, I go there three or four times a year. With Waco, my, Texas. Waco, Texas to go surfing where he has a son who's considering going professional. Like he, wow. he was a former professional. His dad was a former professional uh-huh. surfer. But they go there, so I'm like, you build one of these things and you're going to get tourism. Yeah. You're gonna, and if it's, and I think the, so that's one aspect. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to create demand. It's there. Surfing, it just has a natural addiction to it. And, and you get a lot of people doing it mm-hmm. for their, for their mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the technology has changed in the last 10 years. Like when you hear surf park or wave pool, you think of the 80s or the movie The North Shore. Where yeah. the guy grows up in Arizona surfing this really cheesy wave and a wave pool. There that's not that's not what's going on today. You've got technology where it's cranking out through air generated pulses waves that are like the size of waves you'd find in the ocean. Wow. And of that same quality. And the way the the software technology has evolved, you're able to program what you want for that day. So if you have mostly beginners in an area such as like in memphis if you opened it up mm-hmm. you could you could generate beginner mushy easy waves that no one's going to drown in and then maybe oh, cool. the other 10 percent of the day you you crank it up for experts or or you know mm-hmm. you basically you 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 can increase the level of difficulty as your yeah as your user base for unc lawn better <laughs> for exactly <laughs> so when we close the park down at <laughs> yeah night, yeah yeah we'll crank it up <laughs> yeah Absolutely. but i think between popularity and just the technology and the novelty mm-hmm. and the repeat user base potential, yeah. people are going to keep coming back. So, you know, 
And then I, with, again, with the tourism that comes from 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 youth sports, um, right? People are going to need other stuff to do. There are other kids that are going to be traveling with these families. They're going to be mom and dad might want to yeah. surf or skate or whatever. Definitely, so, definitely cool off. Yeah, and they're going to yeah, be walking yeah. around the, that sports complex, going, "What do we do? It's a hundred <laughs> degrees out." <laughs> Go to Shelby Farms. No, you're going to heat stroke. No, it's a million degrees. <laughs> oh, excuse me um so yeah there's a definite need in the in the for the summer wow and i've got that i mean i i experienced it that's the thing just like the certain mm-hmm. like i like i was telling you earlier about skateboarding this is something i i know it's a it's a known factor in terms how, of popularity how far would you have to travel to go uh well well let me ask this two ways how would you how far would you have to travel for real waves uh, in in real bodies of water, and how long? How far would you have to travel from Memphis if you wanted to go to a wave park? So I'm thinking about going to Waco in the next couple of weeks. I really want to check it out. So that's a seven and a half hour drive. Austin also has a wave park too, but mm-hmm. I think it was bought out and it's private now. Mm-hmm. So that would have been. I think Austin might be a little closer, six and a half. I'm not sure. Yeah, but seven and a half hours right now. Wow. So um, it's a drive. So looked at another way, it could be a competitive advantage that Memphis would have in terms of servicing a regional market, would it not? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's no competition (laughs) for these things. Right. I mean, even if you're not talking about surf parks, we're just talking about a clean body of water. There's no competition for that either. Mm -hmm. Because you still have to drive, what, several hours to go to like Gersford Lake. Yeah. There just isn't water to go get in. Period. Right. Yeah. There's no competition for water right now. And why do you think that is? Well, I think what I heard was Adventure River had some issues with it. Mm. I guess it was poorly managed and some people got severely injured there. Mm. I think people have long memories and they probably think of water and they're like, oh, people are going to drown or, you know, Mm. it's not clean. It's a liability. It's a liability. You know what? Eight. Nine years ago, we had some drownings in some pools here when they mm-hmm. had public pools. So, yeah, they just don't know where to begin. So, they don't. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I, I I know growing up in in, in Memphis and, and learning to swim at my at the Geisman uh, part uh, uh, public park uh, and and joining the Geisman swim team. I just I think Memphis is under. Well, I know. Memphis doesn't have enough swimming facilities. Right. Um, the uh, when uh, so my 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 daughter Genevieve was in the second, uh, not the inaugural cohort of the Maxine Smith Steam Academy Middle School, uh, but she was in that that she was in that next class, and she's like, "Hey, Dad, there's a swim team." I was like, "That's awesome! You're going to be a, join the swim team. That's great. Get some exercise. It'll be fun." And like their very first meeting was like, "Yeah, we don't have any place to practice." There's no place to have swim. Oh, team by the practice. way, there's no pool. Oh, Bickford, that's the other community center. Yeah, that they had a swimming pool. I think where mm-hmm. Central High School students were going there for their practice. Oh, gotcha. So, but that doesn't sound like Max Maxine no. Smith Academy had access to that one. They didn't, and they thought that they would have access to the Croc Center. And it's just the Croc Center's swimming facilities was built too small for the. Yep. For the for the to serve to truly service the you could have doubled the, that footprint for that aquatics yeah. area, yeah, yeah. Um, and the history of the fairgrounds shows that a swimming pool has been a thing 
at the fairgrounds if you look back 100 years 1947 you know, yeah yeah that's a massive pool there this is as big as a lake yeah yeah so right. I, I mean memphis memphis needs more folks needs more places where people can get get in some water where do uh, so here here you are you you've you've led the effort that that landed memphis's first skate park and uh, so you clearly know how to get things done. You know how to galvanize a community around an idea and get something done, not on your own, but with but with other people championing the cause along alongside you. Um, what's 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 ne- what are you germinating on, and what and 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 what are you what do you think Memphis needs next? Well, let me say this, a wave park. But like, where does the wave park go, and and where in your mind do things stand? It should probably go on Mud Island just because mm-hmm. that's such a focal point for the city. And, you know, it's why not have an advertisement for how cool Memphis is as people drive over the bridge at nighttime in the summer, people are surfing. That's one thing. Secondly, it's access is so bad over at Mud Island. It's, it, mm-hmm. You have to go. Through, it's, it's very isolated. That's actually a huge positive for a surf park because you, mm-hmm. now, you now you have... Now you have a place where, okay, if it gets crowded or you can have people always going through security gate to get to the surf park, mm-hmm. you want, you want a safe space and that feels very safe and remote. Mm-hmm. And the surf park itself is a big enough draw that, you know, if you have someone driving two, 300 miles to get to it, going through the security gate, it's not a big deal. That's not right. You know, that's only an issue for Memphians, but you want an area where people can just hang out, you know, maybe play beach volleyball and, or whatever. But there's yeah. just not a lot of traffic. When you go to the tip of Mud Island, you feel like you're in a, you're having a different experience. Oh, I would agree it's with quiet, you there. It's beautiful. It's you know, it's like being at the beach. So yeah, I see that. I see what's currently a, a real drawback for that area, as a as a huge positive for just being able to allow people to come in, and have a quiet place to hang out for the day. Yeah, and you have and you have to have that sort of attraction that to to draw people to that sure. isolated area. Se- several years ago, I was on the board of Memphis Rock and Romp, which was a, a concert series for families. I remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah I emceed the shows. We had a board, and we you fun. know haul a bunch of tables and set up to sell T-shirts and you know serve barbecue and beer and and get bands to play. Yeah. And and we we there there for the last few years, we would time our 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 first show of the season to be the first day that Mud Island was open. And we would have it be at Mud Island. And that was always one of our biggest shows. Yeah. And we would play in that kind of like remote air. We'd have the band set up to play near that. So for those of you who are not in Memphis or never been to Mud Island, uh, there is a miniature of the Mississippi River that, uh, with, with water features. And it's all to scale, but mu- obviously much, 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 much smaller. Uh, but you can walk the thing, you know. Uh, and, uh, and my kids love that, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, you go to it once, it's kind of like going to a museum, Correct. but if you go to it once a year and you're like, oh yeah, that place where we can walk a miniature of the mud of, of, right. of the Mississippi and see a few bands and, you know, and, and have fun. Um, I just think mud Island is a really special location where, um, some either unique amenities could be located. Uh, I know that it was a signature concert experience uh to to see shows there 
And now that I believe I'm right in saying this, they're 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 they put some money towards renovating um, the, the Mud Island Amphitheater. Yep. Um, I saw Rat and Cheap Trick there. You know. <laughs> Back wow. in the day, back, but sadly during a period where it made sense for Cheap Trick to open for Rat, which was like should never happen, but uh, but Cheap Trick killed it anyway. Uh, and then there's that song Round and Round by Rat, which is pretty good, but you know, um, <laughs> but but a great place to see live music on the river, right? And if they're going to restore that, and I know, that, I know there's energy behind the Memphis River Parks partnership um and 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 the the renovation of Tom Lee Park although that that itself has been a, a fraught kind of conversation uh, uh locally uh but but I, but I think I I I think that there a compromise is on the horizon last time I checked anyway I think yeah I think they're moving forward on that yeah so that could all hang together pretty good uh, couldn't yeah, it absolutely yeah I, I mean Carol Coletta over at Memphis River Parks Partnership was pretty open to the idea. We presented, I gave a presentation to her back in the end of 2019. So they were open okay. to it. But, you know, going from open to something to actually doing it, there's a huge chasm between that, as you know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's so, true. Yeah, I don't know how to make it happen right now. So I just gave a presentation over at uh, Nick Walker at the parks. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Oh, go ahead. And he was, they liked it. Uh-huh. I'm still waiting to hear back from them. Isn't so. it true that, um, I, I know that a few years back, several years back at this point, um, you know, the Kresge Foundation had really established a, a, a presence in Memphis. And I remember going to the uh, U of M Law School and that, that uh, all the way up at the top, whatever that conference area is at the downtown. Uh, and Rip Rapson, the head of, the head of Kresge, was basically saying, the lessons learned in Detroit, we're going to apply to Memphis and we're going to really roll up our sleeves here in Memphis and, and, and do some things in Memphis. And since then, you know, like I, I saw the initial wave of funding come, which was kind of like not baby grants, but smaller grants. What was it, like $5 billion that they gave to us? I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't remember exactly the amounts, but I remember the initial wave was kind of a more of a get to know you wave of grants to, to the usual suspects. Um, funding good work in the city. But since then, I, I just have seen how they've really become a force in Memphis. And I, ju- I just, I just went, and, and, and obviously, Carol Coletta, who you mentioned, is a big proponent of downtown's potential, has been since she was the only one, you know, right. voice in the, in the wilderness. Smart city back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I just, I just, I just wonder now that there's that there's this uh, that there's this willingness and this this funding might that's come to Memphis that's not the usual suspects, not your Hyde Foundation, uh, um, um, wh- whether or not there's an opportunity or a CZ Foundation, wh- there's not an opportunity to so for the, something like this. At the, at the good news downtown. is, um, we're, I mean, really the only barrier we have right now is a two hundred fifty thousand dollar feasibility study that must be done mm. so if the city is able to put forth that or some private donor mm-hmm. once that feasibility study is done that is basically the indicator to the wave garden corporation that you're serious about developing a surf park mm-hmm. they come in and then they bring their own private investors and and businesses that will develop run and operate the facility and bring their own their own capital so 
Mm-hmm. No money has to come out of the pockets, really, other than the feasibility study to get this thing off the ground. That's the beauty of it. It's gotcha. There's yeah. enough demand that they're like, if you're serious about it, we'll know. We know we can make a profit from it, and we'll run it for you. Yeah, so I think that's a huge selling point. It's all private, especially with the market being so geographically challenged. Know, yeah, and, and there, therein lies the opportunity. Um, that's interesting. Quarter of a million dollars. I mean, that's that's a lot of money to me. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, same here. <laughs> you know, All of us. Uh, what's funny is w- w- when we got uh, we've been talking to the city about you know previtalizing events inside the Coliseum, and we thought, okay, what's standing in in the way of previtalizing events inside the mid the shuttered Mid South Coliseum? Oh, okay, well, air quality. You know, allergens in the air, and uh, we had uh, uh, Service Master Restore do an estimate of and they have a forced gas process that would actually eliminate all of the allergens in the hvac system and everything oh, wow. uh two hundred forty-seven thousand dollars. and uh and at first i think we were talking to them i thought we were talking to them w- with the idea being that like hey let's do this pro bono and we'll, we'll help you with some some uh, wonderful pr to you know polish your 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 uh corporate reputation now and 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 then Service Master had some some changes, and now it's winnowed down to only um, Terminex. Terminex, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and the the other businesses were spun off, and and now I believe they're they're headquartered in another city. So it is what it is, and and the franchisee is not is not uh, uh, is smart, honestly, to say eh, now that there's redevelopment going on at Liberty Park, let me just let that estimate sit out there. Maybe yeah. somebody will pay it. Um, but I feel like we're in a similar situation because if we could clear the air of allergens and make it habitable by people, then Joe and Jane, everybody would see what our VIPs have been seeing over the last three years of VIP tours at the Coliseum, which are wavered. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and I think when we've had hardened skeptics go inside the Coliseum and, and come out believers, and thinking how much potential was gesturing with their hands. You could do this, 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 this. Um, and I feel like that's what it takes. It takes that next level of belief. And if we could get the general public in there, I think they would have a similar experience. And if we could do a feasibility study for the wave park, people would see the light, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be nice if the two projects could roll together yeah. forward and parallel. Yeah, wow. and then we got concerts back at the at the Mud Island Amphitheater. We've got people surfing the waves on Mud Island. It could all work. Yeah. And then they need to do something about that yeah. museum, but um yeah. I'm yeah. not sure what to do with it's, that. It's it's you could still go to it, can't you? Like I, I heard so. that they I'm, opened it up on a limited basis. Anyway. I've never been to it. Oh no. <laughs> no. Oh, they've got some animatronic like Hal Holbrook voice like Mark oh. Twain kind of thing that's like I need maybe I need to go before it's gone. You probably need to go ahead and notch it. Okay. I just remember back in '82, <laughs> back in 1982, I was in seventh grade, <laughs> and they opened Mud Island River Park, and and uh, my parents made sure that we dutifully went as a family, and my dad was just so bummed out that that it's like he he's like really you came all the way here to play Dig Dug, you know, and I was like. Dig Dug's awesome, you know? Dig Dug was great. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do there? Yeah, you walk the river walk. I mean, that was it. it. Yeah. They built all this infrastructure for something great and then <laughs> left off the main attraction. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty. It, 
The, the it's weird. <laughs> Mud Island is one of those things where you kind of go do it once, and then if you have some relatives come in town. But how do you activate the site such that it's interesting? Uh, you know, kind of perpetually. Just tell us. Tell it. Just tell it. Make something up. Aliens took the main attraction from the tip. There actually, <laughs> there was something there before. It, you should have seen it before the aliens. Got yeah, <laughs> something like that. It was. I don't know. I mean, Memphis. <laughs> Memphis has. Memphis is a tall tales kind of city. Yeah. Um, but it it is all about narrative at the end of the day, and it's about experience. Absolutely. Uh, and 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 I think a, a wave park would be. I'd love to see it happen. And uh, so, in your mind, like. Do you see yourself as as the catalyst, or what, what, what type of people are waiting in the wings that would just pounce on that and be like, "By golly, we're doing this"? I'm the passive catalyst, I'd say. I was the active catalyst for Toby Skate Park. I'm just approaching this much differently. You know, I'm what's been six, twelve, thirteen years. Mm-hmm. I'm older. I'm not as desperate to see it happen, which may actually be a better approach, anyways. You just mm-hmm. you, when you meet with people, you're you're like, look, here's a great idea. We need this. You want to do it? Great. You don't? Fine. I'm going back to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going back to St. Jude. But, you know, just right. putting it out there, just continually. I think that's the lesson for any advocate. Just keep putting it out there and being patiently persistent with whatever you're trying to do. And kind to people, you know? Yeah. You know? And I, I think you know that I'm t- preaching to the choir, Marvin. You're very good at doing that. So, well, you're you're kind, but that I mean that is that is the thing. It's like if you decide to say, you know, it's the whole the old Christopher's mantra: it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Do something, right? Right. Uh, and then hopefully you draw other people to that cause uh, uh, who feel similarly, uh, and just like just like you did. And there was a groundswell. Absolutely. There, there was a groundswell. That's, that's a big difference, I think, too. There, I definitely had a groundswell behind me for the skateboarding, uh-huh. which made a huge difference. The and groundswell is not there for surfing for, for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. There's no surfers here. <laughs> and there's a, there is a, there is a, a groundswell. You know, you can only tap it so often, right? You, you can't like, keep them perpetually activated. It has to be given a, a direction and a purpose and a say, and we got to march on the world. Exactly. But, uh, but there is definitely a more than a small uh, fan base of Coliseum advocates. Uh, yes. And there's not necessarily uniform agreement on exactly what should happen at the Coliseum, but everybody knows that there's an opportunity there. Yep. Um, you, you guys have put that out there really well. Well, I appreciate so, that. I appreciate that. That's huge. Um, any 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 next steps uh or, or again there's just this passive Other inquiry yeah i think all just the, continue to do what i'm doing yeah you know? what else is out there i've been working with a guy ty cobb he, i know ty yeah he's got this vozone concept he he does these kind of immersive learning interactive events with high school students he's been doing it for quite a while mm-hmm. and uh he recently met with me and wanted me to, to hopefully give him some guidance on how to how to move forward with his project, but um, his what what he's trying to do and accomplish, mm-hmm. and we'll see. But I'd like to see you know what he's been working on for probably twenty years come to fruition. Oh, wow. He's got a lot of passion behind it, and he just needs some other people to to get behind him, and mm-hmm. and maybe I can use whatever network I have that I developed from mm-hmm. doing the skate park advocacy to maybe open some doors for him mm-hmm. trying to work on his website right now and well, okay. get it uh, 
organized in a way where you know when someone looks at his website it's it's almost like you don't want it to be as boring as a as a grant application but it should be very clear what you're trying to do how you measure your success and still be you know somewhat entertaining for you know for the high school students to, mm-hmm. to go there and look at it but trying yeah, to organize it in a way that you know people are like oh yeah this is really interesting i, I want to fund this yeah you know so that's kind of what we're doing now ty is a very entrepreneurial uh guy he he was involved in the croc center before it was opened and correct created their he uh, he had a vozone there as he calls it yeah 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 he was was actually doing it yeah um it was it's essentially like an a video game except for real you know it's it's an experiential kind of thing um Yeah, a lot of people, immersive experiences are becoming uh, a thing that a lot of people are questing after. Um, uh, my, my friend Christopher Reyes and his, you know, his Baron von Opperbein, you know, experience is, 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 is one local example. Uh, but, but things like Meow Wolf and, and these yeah. kind of immersive art, you know, installations. Escape rooms, I mean. Escape rooms are a very... Ty very, was one of the pioneers of that. He talks about that, in, that a, right? in, in a podcast on the Daily Memphian that, that when he came up with the kind of the escape room concept, some people in Memphis were like, "Nah, that will never work." So it's yeah. it's hard when you're way out there in the front to get that buy-in. Yeah, for a long sometimes for a long time. Yeah, he he's an interesting cat. You know, he's the guy who pioneered the 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 Bud Light Daredevils. Yes, he was a Bud Light Daredevil. He was a Bud Light Daredevil. <laughs> uh, saw an old video was, of him. <laughs> Literally, when he was a student at Ole Miss, he became the guy who put together the team that said, hey, get this. We're going to jump off trampolines and dunk basketballs at halftimes of NBA games. He was, he was the guy. The, he was the guy. Yeah, that's really cool. The really funny thing, total aside here, is that um, Pez, my band, that went on umpteen tours of the United States and, and, and two tours of Canada... We toured this land in the Bud Light Daredevil van. We they sold it oh like after God. they after they folded it, you know, <laughs> they ended up selling it. That's and we, awesome. And Ceylon bought it used. <laughs> and I was talking to Ty about Bud this. Bud Light and, lives on. Yeah. <laughs> through and, and, well, after a while it just like the letters got all dinged up and it, it, after a while it just said Bud Light. It for a while it said Bud Light are evil and then it said Bud Light evil. evil. And most of our touring <laughs> career was it just said Bud Light evil and and people were like dude the Bud Light evil vans in town Pez is in town that's deep yeah man what are they it's a comment about yeah anyway but but and when I, when I mentioned this to Ty he's all like did they still have the the old coffins in the back and it's like and I knew what he meant they were they basically these these kind of like coffin length body length you know like uh places where they put their costumes and their stuff basketballs and it's like yeah we ripped all that out and put a loft in there so we could sleep on the road <laughs> oh my gosh anyway he's like man some, glad some, to know it's there's some history the there use yeah but no that's right i mean like to have unorthodox thoughts and be out there and be like we're gonna do this crazy thing people are like what yeah um and 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 then that's how you get to be way behind a conceptual curve and and uh, kind of exactly. late to the party uh, on certain things but um yeah Aaron what else haven't I thought to ask that 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 you're up to or you want to comment on uh what what other causes are you are you championing that maybe that Memphis and the rest of the world might not know about 
that's probably the biggest one with Ty. And I like to see his stuff get off the ground before the surf park, just because he's been working on it for so long. It's like, my gosh, I want, I want him to do it before he has to retire, you know? Right. <laughs> None of us are getting any younger here. It's true. So, um, yeah. And then obviously the Coliseum, seeing that, seeing your guys work come to fruition would be huge too. I know you guys have been at it for five years plus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, love to see that happen. And, yeah, I'd love something to imagine and put in there. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think the opportunity's there because with Liberty Parks uh, groundbreaking and 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 them starting to actually have construction on the site, now the 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 inevitable question just becomes: Okay, what what's going to happen at the Coliseum? It's the emotional heart of the fairgrounds. It's this giant facility, and, and it is not without precedent. There are other peer cities that have redeveloped their '60s era Coliseum era venue. Yeah, uh, to host. Uh, you know, AAA sports and smaller concerts and civic events. Right. Um, you know, the, just the sheer clamoring for a graduation space at scale that would been you know for Memphis yeah. is is a, is a huge uh, uh d- demand that people have. So we'll see. I hope that's right. I think that there's a that there's a renewed groundswell of interest in the Coliseum. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I hope it happens. Aaron yeah, me too. Thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Marvin. It was fun. Let all have fun. Thanks for listening. Champions of the Lost Causes is a production of the Back to the Light Podcast Network. I'm your host, Marvin Stockwell. Produced by Ryan Azada. With production assistance by J.D. Rieger. Logo and design by Collins Dillard. Music by Ryan Azada. If you like the show, please follow, rate, and review us on your favorite platform. Keep up with the latest at championsofthelostcauses.org. Part of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.